So, who here this morning grew up? Oh, by the way, uh, I've still got the board out. The iron's still a little hot. If anybody needs anything pressed while I'm at it, just bring it up. Bring it up my way. Chad just brings down a laundry basket of clothes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, what what did you guys what did we solve about? What did we figure out about some of this stuff? You know, um, did did you guys uh, dress up? You know, obviously you don't anymore, but uh, (laughs) 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 yeah, we are uh, we are missing a a distinct uh, group of uh, you know demographic here this morning. You know, who might wrestle a little bit uh, with us on some of these. Uh, So we're we're avoid of those this morning. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Any good thoughts come out of your discussion? You're burning on your heart uh, this morning. Started well and in many cases became legalistic. Mm-hmm. Became what? Legalistic. Legalistic. Oh, oh, the dressing. Yes, yeah. got it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would concur. concur with that. Not to like create a form here, but I'm curious, David, like what was the well that you guys understood it starting as? Um, yeah, um, kind of like uh, this is like our Sunday, this is kind of our whole discussion, that's me. But um, this is like Sunday, right? Like of all days of the week, I can dress up on Sunday. Like kind of replacing importance, you know? Like if I can dress up to go to work, if I can dress up to go to a party, I can dress up to go to church. Mm. So that was kind of bringing your best. Yeah. yeah. The legalism starts <clears throat> when you're forced, and I share the story, that yes. um, when you can't serve God unless you have. Mm-hmm. Certain items on. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this morning, I know you guys are excited uh, because we are uh, still in John chapter 2. Uh, we are just at the next verse. We're now starting at verse 13. So, uh, what's interesting is so, we're, if you don't know, we're going through the narrative lectionary next umpteen weeks for hanging out in John, which is the bomb diggity. Uh, but the first part of John 2 deals with this sort of grace and the glory and the abundant new life that, that Jesus uh, reveals. The second half of John chapter 2 deals with the sort of the challenge and the threat that Jesus poses. Uh, so it sort of like turns for a twist. Anyway, I'm going to jump right in the text and we're going to walk through some of this stuff and get somewhere made. Uh, Lord willing. So verse 13 says, um, The Passover of the Jews was near. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves. And the money changers seated at their tables. And making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. By the way, if you didn't see the little meme that I, that I posted, I found, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? Where it's like a picture of Jesus, he's got a whip, and it's like, watch me whip, watch me nay, nay, you know? And he's like, anyway, it's so good. Uh, I always wondered where that song came from. Uh, it says, uh, he also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables, and he told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Uh, it's really interesting in the Greek, uh, verses 14 through 16, it's like this long 
uh, run-on sentence, right? It has this just incredible hastiness about it, right, that underscores the intensity of Jesus' actions uh, he, as he never hesitates to, to go through the temple and just, just rip this place apart, right? Uh, I've actually been thinking a lot recently about trying this out in, in real life, you know, just the different scenarios about doing this in, like, a uh, dozen uh, baker. If you guys have been in a dozen, I love dozen now, but, you know, I just wanted to go in there and just start turning over tables, you know, like, you've made my coffee house into a den of tourists, you know, like, just get out of here, you know. I mean, people, people are, like, wheeling their suitcases in there now. They're like, oh, this is what, you know, anyway, it's like, uh, it's pretty much, but anyway. <laughs> Verse 17. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Uh, and this is sort of an interesting little edit that they make in John because the psalm says, uh, Consumed me. And then the, the, they, when John interprets it, he says, Will consume me. Sort of this foreshadowing. Uh, the Jews then said to him, What sign can you show for us uh, for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So, John continues to paint us like, this continual picture of the incarnation, of who Jesus is, of Jesus' identity, right? And uh, interesting, and you probably have already maybe noticed it, but uh, in the synoptics, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this pericope about Jesus, uh, you know, whipping everybody in the temple happens like at the end of the Gospels, right? Uh, that, at sort of that passion narrative sort of uh, moment. Uh, John pulls it all the way to the front of his Gospel, uh, because, uh, again, he's, he's very deliberately painting us this picture, telling us about uh, more about who this Jesus is in this incarnation. Uh, and so the temple, um, the temple was, uh, and, and selling things was kind of part of, this was like ordinary worship. Okay, right? So I'm going to try, you know, the whiteboard thing never works out well for us, mostly for you guys, but, it, you know, it helps me. So, uh... Jerusalem, right? That you guys been there? Uh, and uh, the temple, the Temple Mount. That works out, right? There's gates and doors and stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, so, the temple. So, what would happen uh, is, in um, they would have had very specific instructions from Deuteronomy, from Leviticus, chapters one, two, and three about what worship was supposed to look like. Uh, and so cattle, sheep, doves were required for burnt offerings in the temple. Uh, and so since this was a pilgrimage feast, uh, right, and you were sort of journeying a great distance, uh, they wouldn't have brought like these animals with them to worship, right? And so they're living out here in, um, uh, what was it, Chad? Uh, uh, sketchy hollows or something, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. hazy hollows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's an old town uh, on the outskirts of Israel. You know, hazy hollow. Uh, so they're they're out here in their villages and their huts and stuff. And so, hey, just hang with me, guys. This is, this is modern art. People spend big money on it. Uh, and and so like they they would they would leave uh, like 
<laughs> be way before like Passover. Uh, but they would, you know, they would make their trek all the way to Jerusalem. But they're like way out here, you know. They're they're on their way, so they're not like throwing their their sheep or hauling their cattle and all their doves and all this stuff all the way to the temple, uh, so they can worship, right? And and so uh, so what would happen is um, they would bring currency with them, and when they got there, they had set it up at the temple so that for people to participate in the worship. Uh, required uh, in the Torah, they would um, well. They would first they would exchange their money uh, because you couldn't uh, use your Roman coinage or you know because whose image is on that uh, right. So you would you would actually go to the money changers. You would exchange your money uh, into this Tyrian currency, and then you would take that money and then you would purchase your offering of worship, right? And then you go to the temple. Uh, and this would all this kind of take place around in the temple. Uh, and, and so uh, this was this was not out of the ordinary, right? Uh, this was this was not you know uh, uh, Jesus being a good Jew knew all about this. Uh, you know this was this was not a big deal. Now, uh, you know we we read this pra- uh, we read this a lot, and um, you know, we like to read this text as if you know now now there were some there were some sort of extortionist stuff going on. There was there was some sketchy, shady stuff going on, right? But this was not like this is not sort of the point, uh, right? Of 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 what we uh, see in this text this morning. And so what happens is, uh, well, a lot of times we like to read this text or glaze over this text where Jesus comes in with the whip in the temple, right? And we like to think of Jesus as like. Uh, Bruce Willis or something, you know, and he's busting and he's got his whip and he's like cleansing the temple and he's turning the tables over, you know, and the Russians are like, we're getting out of here, you know, and, and but that's not what happened, All right? That's not that's not necessarily uh, what it's about. Now, not to say again, not to say there weren't some uh, some some sketchy things going on, right? Uh, but this this is not, uh, you know, we're kind of missing it if that's all we're seeing is going on here, uh, which is interesting. Because uh, again, this is this is sort of a sort of ordinary thing, right? Uh, the sale of animals, the changing of money, right? All these things were necessary for worship at the temple for this feast. Uh, and so uh, it's kind of like, what's so? What is going on here, Jesus? You know, what's what's your problem? Uh, to this day, I remember uh, Larry and Betty Drumright, <laughs> who was this, this older couple uh, in, in my church growing up. And, uh, and I can see them so clearly. And I remember this one time, the youth, we were, we were selling, I want to say like candy bars for some good thing that, that the kids were doing, right? And the church, the youth, you know. And Larry John Wright, he just got, he got like so like worked up, you know. He was like, John chapter 2, you know, says, you know, and, uh, and all of a sudden, and there was this huge back and forth and this just rip, you know, within the congregation, like, and the kids were like, candy bar, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? And uh, long story short, Larry and Betty Drumright uh, left the church. Uh, they're gone. And you're like, man, this is incredibly sad. Right? Uh, and, and so, Jesus' charge here is actually a much more radical accusation in John uh, than I would say than in the synoptics. But Jesus issues this powerful challenge to the very authority, right, of temple worship. 
Like he gets at the heart, right? He throws the actual mechanics of temple worship into chaos, right? They're, they're not able to do anything else for, for the rest of the day, uh, right? There's, there's no more worship that day, <laughs> you know? It's like Jesus has uh, spilled it for everybody, you know? Way to go, kid, you know? Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's bust. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's no surprise that the Jews are like, well, what kind of sign are you going to show us, right? This is not like, like, turn water into wine sign. This is like, what's your, like, who are you to do this? Like, on, on whose authority? Uh, in verse 18, it said that the Jews said to him, what sign can you show us? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Right? Um, and Jesus uses this, this Greek verb, ergo, for, uh, to, to talk about raising it up, right? It's the same word we use to talk about resurrection, right? Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. This thing has been under construction 46 years. What are you talking about? But I love, uh, the cool thing about John is he gives like retroactive commentary unlike some other gospels, you know, where he was, you know, he's like, but he was speaking of the temple of his Body, you know, and, and so Jesus says, "I will, I will raise." Man, yeah, what an interesting interpretation! That almost Jesus, but we could fix that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> well, I mean, what's what's going on here? I, I mean, uh, this is the temple. Like, how do we get in there? You know, I mean, uh, is that where we worship? Um, you know, destroy this temple. This is like classic Johannine misunderstanding. <clears throat> like, what temple? This temple? Uh, Jesus says the, the presence of God is not going to exist in this, but it will be uh, right in front of you, right? And so there's this sort of foreshadowing, this new covenant that is arriving, this new covenant that has come, right? It's not a place of... It's not a place. It's not. A, it's not a set of rules. Uh, it, it's not even. Uh, it's not even these these doctrines that we like to uh, of, of, of atonement that we, you know. It's not these transactions. It's 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 a person. Uh, and so we read these texts like Deuteronomy fourteen, uh, you know, where it says, uh, you know, you're to worship in the presence of the Lord your God at the at the place He will choose as a dwelling for His name, right? And so. Where is that exactly now? Uh, where is this place, right? God's Spirit does not live in the temple. It lives in every human heart. Uh, and so we're all hearing this this morning, and, and this sounds really, like, safe and kosher, you know? It's like, it's like Sunday school one-on-one, -on -one, you know? Like, we got this, uh, you know. We got this, right? Um, I think we're all uh, used to, uh, maybe sometimes... Uh, the whole God thing being uh, a little difficult. Uh, maybe maybe worship being something that you have to work at sometimes. Um, I remember when I um, when I went to Trebekah, I remember um, I, I, I like love chapel. Okay, confession moment. Like I like love chapel, and you can't say that though. You know what I'm saying? Like you you can't tell people that because it seems like every other person you bump into, they're like, oh, I hate chapel. You know, they, they force us to go, and, and it's, you know, I just, uh, you know, and they, you know, 
And, and so you can't be like, well, I love chapel, chapel's better. You know? and, and especially when, when this person was speaking to that person, or, you know, you just can't say that. You know, you're like, you're like yeah, chapel's better. Uh, you know, um, yeah, you just, you just can't, you know, you're like, uh, and I was chaplain, and I couldn't say that, but, um, uh, and, and so, but you know, it's, it's interesting when we think about worship, and um, we talked about this a little bit in our group, um, but, you know, how, how you, uh, especially I think in those scenarios, you know, you take off your hat. And that's like I think that's actually in the in the Trebekah like manual about like when you're in chapel, like no hats allowed. Uh, which is funny because you used to be able to wear pajamas, but they took that away and and said, you know what, let them have their pajamas, but no hats, you know, and uh, or vice versa. Anyway, um, and, and so you know, you sort of remove you remove something uh, when you walk in. You take off your hat for sure, but if you really want to get into worship, if you really want to get into worship, what do you do? You know. Sort of like slip off your shoes, you know. Now you're like, you know, you're feeling it. You're a little closer to God. It's holy ground, you know. Uh, but if you really want to get into worship, uh, you know, if you're really worshiping, I can tell because your hands are in the air, uh, you know. And uh, and no, no shame, but it is it is a part of worship. So I really know if you're worshiping, if your hands are in the air. Uh, and and then if you're gonna put your hands in the air. Uh, I will judge you if your eyes are not closed. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, because that's naturally what happens next. Uh, you know, don't leave your eyes open. That's strange. Uh, you know, and, and but you know, it's it's a religious religious worship. Religious worship. Uh, you know, religion asks us if we followed all the rules this week. Uh, how how hard did you work? On connecting with God this week, uh, right? How much did you give this week? How much time did you give? How much money did you give this week? Were you working at it? Uh, my home church, uh, after 31 years, just this last summer, um, uh, my old pastor finally retired, and um, and and they finally just got. Long story short, they finally just. Uh, elected or nominated or oh, got appointed a new pastor, and uh, and uh, it's really bad, you guys. Uh, they tell me he preaches in blue jeans, and uh, it's just it's horrible. And uh, you know it's like, uh, but all kidding aside, uh, there's this there's this older uh, couple in the church, and they've been there since I was there, like as a kid. And she played the organ. He taught uh, adult Sunday school class. Like, solid people. Looked up at these people. These are great people. Right? But when this new pastor just came in uh, and wearing these jeans and preaching up front, like, they literally couldn't. Like, it broke. You know? It was like sacrilege. It's like the decim decimation of the temple. You know? And, uh, and, and the long story short, they like, left the church. Right? Like, this just happened. And it's just like, this is so sad. This is, this is incredibly sad. But uh, I, I did grow up dressing up for church. Uh, and, and, and I've since got rid of a lot of my, my dress-up clothes. Uh, because, you know, I don't, don't get to flaunt them as much. But, um, but yeah, no, we dressed up. We dressed up. That was like, 
That was like, I, I was like, Sunday mornings were like Caleb's sacred time at the ironing board. Okay, like, I was like, let me tell you, I was like trained on this thing. This was like, you know, people who live in Hawaii learn how to surf on the, like, I learned how to, what these are really for, you know, like, my grandmother has like an ironing black belt, okay, she's on like national tours, you know, and on any given time you, you walk into their house and she's in the basement just ironing away, you know, the steam is, is you know, it's like, you know, rising out of the, anyway. And uh, anyway, so Sunday morning, yeah, like, I'm like, because it's, like, you can dress up, but if you dress up and you're, like, wrinkly, like, it's even worse, you know, because you're like, what are you, an animal, you know? And uh, anyway, so, like, Sunday mornings, you know, and, and always just buttoning up, you know, because, uh, you know, and I would ask, like, why do we do this, you know? Uh, it, 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 it's, it's like when the Jewish kids... Uh, you know, ask their parents about Passover, like, why is today different than all other days, you know? Today you wear nice clothes, son, and uh, it's, it's because we, we want to give our best for God, right? We want to give our best. At least this is what I was told over and over, right? And obviously your best is equated with uh, your suits and your dresses and your heels and uh, your, your best, your best inevitably is all those things which are the most uncomfortable things to wear, right? That, those things that you've spent the most money on at least. That's what, that's what the best is, right? The things that maybe you've, maybe you've invested most of your stuff into or your money into, right? That's, that's your best, uh, you know? But it's funny though, because seriously, across the board, I don't care who you are, like pastor, general superintendent, I don't, it doesn't matter who you are. The moment you get home, are you with me? Like, the first thing that you do, you're like, well, this is, this is done. You know, you're like, I'm done with that. You know, and it was just like, the, the, the moment, you know, it's like, I'm getting in my PJs. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, back in the PJs. Yeah, no, it's like, this stuff is coming off. You know, like, everyone across the board. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It's like, this is what you, what you do. I'm getting out of here. You know. God can have my best at his place, but it's my place and it's my best. You know, it's like, this, this is what I wear. He's better show up in his jammies coming over my house. You know, and, uh, you know, it's like, it's like totally disconnected. Like, our the, you know, our theology is totally disconnected. Like, it doesn't even make sense. And, and, and so, uh, and apparently I still do this a little bit because, uh, I think I might have told you guys this before, but it's like, anytime, like, a, a regular weekday that I put on a collared shirt, Story's like, oh, are we going to church today? You know, like, uh, she's like, is today church day? Like, no, honey, I'm just wearing a collared shirt, you know, but apparently I subconsciously, I'm like a hobo the rest of the week, uh, but I don't realize it. Uh, it's interesting. So, so we, we, we dress up, we, we get in our cars. What's our car? <laughs> you guys should play telephone picture with me. Uh, we we dress up, we get in our cars, we go to the place of worship to give whatever it is we got. Right? I mean, are you with me? Like two thousand years later, we're still living under this paradigm in a way that Jesus turned the tables over on. Are you with me? And not just in our clothes, 
right? I mean, it's a it's a fun analogy, right? But but even today we're we're, we're still we're we're doing this sort of sort of worship and, and and the way we think about our theology, and the way we think about God, and the way we think about our relationship with God, we're still sort of doing this thing, same thing that Jesus turned turned the tables over on. Did you guys? You guys? Uh, I have to talk about it for a second. Have you? Is anybody here watching The Crown? <laughs> Just Chelsea? Uh, liars! No. Uh, yeah. The, the Crown is so interesting, right? So it's about the Queen of England. And, and I've yet to, I, like, we, uh, Emily, like, convinced me to watch the show. And I was like, I don't know. It doesn't look like what's going to be down my alley. You know, but, but I watched the episode. And I was like, oh, I was sucked in. And I've yet to be able to put my finger on exactly what is so entertaining about it. But I will say the other day I was driving through the recycling center in the truck and like I caught myself, I spent like the next 15 minutes talking to the lady outside my truck window at the recycling center about the crown. You know, I was like, I was like no, <laughs> you know, I am so lame, you know, like, I don't know at what point I stopped watching like, you know, Kung Fu Master started watching the crown, but it's happened. I'm so old. Uh, anyway. It's, it's super interesting, and, it, and, and it's the, the story about, you know, the queen, and she's still the queen. It's incredible. And um, it's the challenge, I would, I would guess, that, that all other uh, monarchies at some point have sort of struggled with or dealt with, right? Uh, this sort of, like, Caesar is Lord, this sort of, like, Caesar is the Son of God, you know, this sort of, like, I'm a, I'm a God on earth. Right, I'm the I'm the divine image here, sit to bring heaven to you, kind of struggle. And so throughout this the whole show and everything, it's 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 no surprise that her struggle, uh, the queen's struggle isn't with like these powers of the world, right? But her struggle is with her own humanity, right? That that she's actually struggling against her own humanity uh, as the person that she is in her role. And it's sort of an interesting thing to think about uh, because I think that we all do this to some degree, right? Uh, we all find ourselves doing this to some degree, right? That that we come in, we come in this sort of tension and this sort of struggle with our own humanity. Um, that, that our humanity is is like weak, right? That that we see our humanity as as weakness. Um, you know, I think this was key to a lot of theology that we learn when we're younger. Is is you know, I am a like what a wretched person I am. What what a what a worm I am. Right. I am I am worthless. I am I'm the worst. I'm a sinful scourge. Right. Lord, save me from my humanity. Right? This is like this is like the prayer we learn to like you know like the, the preface to now Jesus please come into my heart. Yeah. Uh, by the way, there's a difference between self disgust and humility. You know, some people believe the more that they hate themselves, the more that, that God will love them. And 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 that will actually if once you notice it, it, it that like will flesh out in every relationship that you'll have, right? Once, once you notice it, like, you'll see it everywhere. And so we have this uh, internal, eternal dialogue uh, within ourselves, and we talk to talk to our friends and pastors and counselors and anyone who will listen, 
because we're having a hard time about about trusting ourselves. Um, we're having a, having a hard time about you know our, our trusting our own self and our motives, and we wonder if this decision is good or if this decision is like my own personal Diablo trying to get out, you know, or this is this is a God thing or or, or what. Uh, and to reiterate, I'm not talking about you know whether you should like murder someone. You know, it's like that's you know these like this is not about you know should you destroy the world. But the, you know what I'm talking about is like is is this good thing or is this loving path better than this loving path? You know, and and we get so convoluted in our in our heads sometimes because uh, you know we we we're at war sometimes I think with our own humanity. My humanity. Humanity. Uh, ironically, it's it's funny. I think about the Garden of Eden, and uh, um, the Garden of Eden. Uh, you know, we we like we like decide that you know God like walks among us, and and we decided that, that being human wasn't enough, and so we wanted to be God. And uh, you know we wanted to have ultimate knowledge, and and now, and now, and we mess everything up, right? And and now to show us the way uh, to lead us into salvation, right? Uh, God comes once again to walk among us as as human, as humanity, right? Isn't that funny? I mean that's so funny. It's like the the way back or the way forward into humanity, right? Humanity messes it up trying to be God and, 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 and God sets it right by becoming humanity. Isn't that funny? Like, like we screw everything up uh, because we want to be like, uh, like God. We want to be like this divine image, right? But, but, but God comes back and he says, uh, you know what I'm going to do to fix this? I'm going to... Come among you. I'm going to become uh, one of you. And I'm going to become human. And I'm going to walk among you again. And that's what God decides he's, he's going to do to become human. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This, this is all culture. It's all culture. <laughs> Jesus never wore pants, guys. Okay, didn't happen. Uh, you know, so so Jesus comes and he says, "We're done with that." We'll polish that up. Jesus turns the ironing board over. Are you with me? He turns the table on that. By the way, this is my favorite shirt in all the world. I've had this shirt since 1995, and it is uh, the Lion King. There's Mufasa. That says, remember who you are. Okay, it's amazing, right? Like, uh, if you touch it, it's like, it's like you get a special blessing. Don't. Uh, don't. I mean, marinate on that. We screwed all up and want to be done. God says, we're going to set this right. I'm going to become human. And so, worship and salvation... And, and true living then is found into living into, into really what it means to be human, the sort of human that uh, Jesus is. Are you with me? And, and that's where we find uh, 
Worship. That's where we find the center of worship. That's where we find salvation. Living into the image of God as we follow Jesus the Christ is learning what it means to live vulnerable. It's learning what it means to live poor and loving and fragile and sacrificially, uh, right where we are, uh, who we are, right? Uh, that's, that's, where we're, that's where we're finding ourselves. That, that, that kingdom reality we find is, is earth reality, and it occurs everywhere and, and anywhere love is. It, it, worship happens as we uh, find the person of Jesus, right? As we enter uh, into the relationship and where we come in contact with the person of Jesus, that's where we find ourselves in the temple. That's where we find ourselves uh, finding ourselves in, in worship, right? Uh, and... and and if we know anything about that, you know, it's, it's, it's where those who are in prison are finding themselves visited, and those who are hungry are finding themselves with something to eat, right? Uh, and those who are cold find themselves with something to wear. Uh, and so the underlying uh, narrative, wrapping, wrapping all this up, the underlying narrative in the fourth gospel continues, and it says, The Word became flesh. And Jesus' humanity, again, is like the base note throughout the whole gospel, right? The incarnation. Jesus' humanity, all the way through, like, this is like John's base note. And so the scandal here in this text is not that Jesus gets angry, okay? You know, we like to think, oh, he's angry, and so that shows his humanity, like, and, and that's, you know, yeah, he gets angry. And by the way, the whip, like, that was, like, that was for the cattle, okay? Jesus is not, like, lashing people, with the wind. you know, like we, we just let our imaginations go wild, you know. And you kids with your candy bars, you know, you're so sorry. Uh, you know, that's that's not the thrust of the steps. Uh, but the scandal here is this: the authority that this human being uh, claims for himself through his words and through his actions, right? Jesus, in this text, Jesus challenges a religious system that is so embedded in its own rules and its own practices that it is no longer open to a fresh revelation from God. It's no, it's no longer open to anything new, right? Which is actually the temptation that, that all of us face that, that, that exists even today, right? That, that, that what are the religious practices? What are the, what are the institutions that have been so molded and, and firmed and, and concreted in, right? Close to the possibility of change, of reformation, of renewal, right? What are those things, right? This is the trap of equating our own authority and our own institutions uh, with the presence of God, right? It's the same trap. And, and so churches everywhere today, everywhere, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, if you guys grew up in a church, like, eh, they were all struggling with this, right? We're all struggling with this sort of identity uh, today from, from our old dry spaces and, and our doctrines about, you know, uh, substitutionary atonement and original sin and, and how we do things and how we worship and where we worship. And it's all like there's sort of this crumbling that's happening, right? And we're sort of dealing with these, these things that we thought were, uh, that were essential pieces, that, that, that we thought were like, well, this is where worship happens, right here, in my suit, with these words in the song, right, about what a wretch I am. Uh, but definitely, 
definitely worship doesn't happen anywhere near my humanity. <laughs> right? That's what we want to get away from. And so Jesus, what does it mean this morning that Jesus turns that table over? That Jesus comes to us as a body, as the incarnation, as the bread and the cup, uh, once again. And so Jesus reminds us uh, that it's not the cattle, and it's not the sheep, it's not the dust, it's not the suits, it's not the heels, it's not the music, right? It's not even the rules, it's not the currency, it's not the piety of getting up at 5 a.m. and reading your Bible, while that can be a good thing to do, right? It's not the place, it's not the temple, it's not even Club Hutton, right? <laughs> Jesus says, no, this is the school part. Jesus says, uh, it's me. He says, uh, me. Uh, I am. Where's worship? Uh, me. Here, now, this, me. Where's worship? Uh, abide in me. That's like 15 chapters from that. We'll be there. Uh, abide in me. I am worship. It's not complicated. It's not a transaction. It's not a marketplace. Me. Right? And, and if you can finally somehow find yourself there, that, that's freedom in Christ. Right? Worship in the person of Jesus. And so this morning, uh, sort of wrapping all this up, uh, maybe this morning, I think, as, as always, we're all over the place, you know, even in our little room here. And, 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 and maybe, uh, maybe you've been finding yourself working pretty hard for this worship, uh, working pretty hard for this God thing. Uh, you know, and, and, and you're closing your eyes, and you're saying your prayers, or maybe you're giving all you, you got, but it's just like, you know, it's like yeah, it's like when I used to go to chapel and uh, you know the chapel that I love, and but but every now and then you just have like a bad chapel, you know, and you're like you're singing that song, but you're like, man, I'm not feeling that feeling today, you know, I'm like man, that good stuff is not there. Where are my vibes? Where are my vibes? You know, play the one hill song, song, you know, that's the one I can worship to that, you know, and you're trying to find it in the dark. Yeah, you know, maybe today you're 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 still traversing to the temple, right, as this means of worship. You're still exchanging common coins for temple coins, right? You're still trying to slaughter the bull, uh, right? Maybe if you find yourself this morning, still consciously or subconsciously, looking over your shoulder to see if God is is watching you to make sure that you're worshiping right, right? And maybe maybe you're maybe you're missing it a little bit. Because Jesus has, has turned that table over. Um, Father, Father Greg Boyle uh, writes this. He says, As we are so used to a one false move, God, we are not really accustomed to the no matter whatness of God, to the God who is just too plain old busy loving us to be mad at us. And I think that's one of the hardest things that we'll ever have to embrace about worship, right? And uh, this morning, uh, we, we do gather here. We do worship. We do put our hands in the air, right? We do pray. We do read our Bibles. We do do these things, but it's not a transaction. This is not a marketplace, right? We're not exchanging our currency, right? 
we are responding to the one who loves us beyond our comprehension, right? Who is teaching us what it means to be human like Jesus is human. Let's pray this one. Lord God, thank you for this text that continually uh, reminds us of who we are and who we're called to be. And uh, as we dip into the ever-deepening well of uh, the incarnation and, this, and your story and this salvation that you've given us and this path that you're leading us on, uh, Father, we give thanks. Lord, help us to uh, wade further into the water. Lord, help us to uh, drown if need be. God, help us to uh, remember our baptism. Help us to uh, seek your face, God. Help us to shed all those things which may hinder us, Lord, uh, from stepping even further into your kingdom. Lord, help us to leave those things behind uh, this morning and to find ourselves worshiping uh, in the person, in the body of uh, Christ the Lord. In your name we pray, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. You know, there's only one noise in the whole world that you'll that an ironing board makes. <laughs> Praise the Lord.